This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. I'm Rob Rosedale, proud to help educate Kevin Jackson on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Taking a break from fishing today. We might actually talk a little specialty fishing down the road in this in this conversation, but uh, today we're going to talk bear hunting because, A, we're getting close to it, and B, we've got a guy who knows a lot about it joining us today, Tim Humphrey from Aspen Outfitters. Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kev. Tim got a hold of me last year and said, hey, I do a lot of bear hunting when that season comes. Uh, I'd, I'd love to share my insight, so here he is to share it. I'm glad he reached out to me because, you know, it's, it's a, something that a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't do and and are somewhat curious so this is a great uh, conversation to have and let's start first of all tim finding out a little bit about yourself how did you get into bear hunting how did you get into guiding for bear hunting okay so i guess i look back um i had an uncle that lived over near Coleraine um when i was nine eight or nine years old so yeah i was probably eight years old um he had a bear license he invited me over to spend the week at his house, hang with him, go in the stand, that type of thing, do the baiting. Um, at that point, I kind of was hooked on it. So mm-hmm. um, had been involved with it for uh, many years, you know, doing stuff with friends and different things. Um, and I actually started guiding as a grouse guide. Um, there was a couple that come up from Illinois. Um, they had a cabin on Cass Lake, and um, I was working at Teal's Market at the time. And uh, he had asked me, you know, my familiarity with the area and everything, if I could take him grouse hunting, and uh, he'd be willing to pay me some money to do that. So I thought, sure, you know, all right. Fall came around, the weekend came, and I took him and a friend out grouse hunting, and we got a got a bunch of birds right away. It went really well. They asked if I could do it again the next day. Fortunately, I wasn't um, didn't have to work, so I took them out, um, and they paid me a considerable amount of money. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing this. And uh, with the grouse population kind of cyclical and everything like that, it was really difficult to line up clients for the future year on a particular weekend and, and do that with a you know, full-time job. So um, bear hunting kind of gave me the flexibility to be able to, to bait every afternoon or evening and then take clients out, you know, the same time period. So um, started doing that uh, about 2003, 2004. Um, took quite a while to build up a clientele just because everybody's reluctant without the guiding experience to entrust you, you know, for a couple hundred dollars to get them on a bear yeah. um, and that type of thing. So um, it's just kind of blossomed from there. So when did you actually bear hunt for the first time and what is what is it that's about bear about bear hunting you find appealing? Um, I guess the, the amount of bear that are out there and, um, you know, anybody can go throw you know, whatever type of food product they want in the woods, whether it's, you know, old stale baked goods or whatever, and have the possibility of getting a bear. But to actually figure out where, you know, what's their favorite habitat, what their favorite foods are, um, it's never easy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was part of the challenge, which intrigued me. Um, And then, you know, to be able to help people that don't live in the area that don't have the time to do it their own, you know, it's on their bucket list for a lot of people, um, especially, you know, I have a lot of clients from Nebraska, Kansas, um, you know, even southern Minnesota. They don't have bear down there. So um, a lot of people from South Dakota, it's on their list. They want to come up. Some of them don't want to go to Canada to do, you know, to do mm-hmm. the hunt. So, um, yeah. 
Okay. Well, and, and we're getting into the season now. So, yes. um, so what is the process for a guy who runs a, a bear hunt guide service to get ready for the season? Oh, there's a lot of work, a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, so first of all, I want to coordinate to get my bait every year. You know, and I can't, in the past when I only had a couple clients, I would get free baked goods from different places or, you know, old produce and that type of stuff. Um, once I started getting eight or nine clients, that wasn't feasible for me to just continually gather stuff throughout the year, especially perish, you know, perishable stuff. So um, I started trying to find a, a bait supplier, and there's a guy in Cambridge, Lucky 7 Bait. Um, you can go online and order stuff from him or whatever, but basically I reached out to him, and then I would give him what I wanted He'd reach back out when he had everything, and then, you know, for years I would drive down with the trailer and load up when I needed. But it's at the point now where I have to have a, a hired trucker mm. deliver my load for wow. me. So I've got about 22,000 pounds of stuff in my, my pole <laughs> shed right now. So uh, eager to get in in the woods, and uh, starting Friday I can start putting out the bait. Um, but another thing, too, um, the, the work that goes into it, I have to have stands for everybody. So... It doesn't do very good, you know, it's not beneficial to go put the bait out in the woods, get the bears kind of accustomed to coming into that area, and then drag a two-person ladder stand and clank it around in the woods and make all kinds of noise and commotion. So I try to get the stands up ahead of time. Um, I have some permanent ground blinds that I piece together, wooden box blinds essentially that I have on the ground for a few of the hunters. And uh, so the last couple of weeks I've been taking every evening and putting out a couple of those. Okay. Um, how did you, I mean, is it just trial and error to determine what it was bears liked for your, your master recipe, so to speak? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, being that there's a lot of different foods and stuff available. Um, you know, one of the things I, I would just kind of, I started with dog food, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. guys were using dog food, fryer grease, you know, and you have your bakeries and pastries and stuff in there. Um, I started looking at what was available. Licorice was common, um, you know, gummy bears and fruit snacks, that type of stuff. And I started putting a little bit of everything at each location. And I noticed that the bears would pretty much always eat the trail mix. And whether it was licorice, you know, you had different flavors. So you had your black licorice, your red licorice. And um, sometimes we'd have grape, watermelon, blue raspberry, just kind of whatever you could get. And some bears wouldn't eat a particular color of licorice. They would just push it to the side. Hmm. Um, so not every bear has the same palate and what they prefer, but one thing that most of them would always eat would be the trail mix. And it would, they'd eat the nuts and that type of stuff. So, um, you know, common perception is when guys are baiting, they, you know, they, they're concerned about the acorns falling in the, you know. And, sure. it, you know, I kind of look at, like, deer. So it doesn't matter what you have for a food plot or whatever, but if the acorns start to fall, the deer are going to leave your food plot. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a corn pile there, I mean, they're going to leave the corn and go eat the acorns. They've done it for thousands of years. It's kind of the same thing with bears. So as long as you're providing them with that nut supplementing, and a mixture of nuts is good, so trail mix is good. You could have straight peanuts, um, but it, it provides them with that protein and, you know, the fats and amino acids and everything that they need to get through the winter. So... They can eat berries all day long, but they don't really fill up on it. But they can go eat the nuts and, and get what they really need. So, yeah. Well, I'm not going to ask you your, your actual secret spots where you keep this stuff and put this <laughs> stuff. But, I mean, how many different areas do you bait? 
So what I do, I guide in three areas. Um, I provide two baited sites for each hunter. So um, if there's a group of four, they're going to get eight different spots. So if one guy in the group gets a bear, the the rest of the spots are open for the rest of the group, Mm -hmm. um, essentially. And by doing that, I also guarantee that no other hunter is going to sit at a spot and then spoil it for the next guy that's going to come in and potentially hunt there. Because I don't know what, I mean, I can do all the work for them, get the bears coming in. We have trail cams and everything with a lot of photos, but I can't shoot the bear for them. Right. You know, they have to do that. So um, if they choose to, you know, talk on their cell phone on the stand or they move around a lot or anything that's you know would alert the bear to their presence then they're ruining their own hunt essentially so um so yeah so i do two, two baited locations for each guy so this year i have 20 hunters so i'm going to be baiting 40 different locations um hmm. you know it takes several hours to do that especially yeah. if i was doing it by myself i have a couple hired hands to help so how long is a is a hunt seven days Okay. A lot of guides do like a five-day hunt, and then they take a couple-day break, and then do another five-day hunt for different clients. Um, I take everybody in camp at the same time, so September 1st through September 7th every year, um, everybody in at once. Bear uh, baiting begins Friday. Yep. When does the, s- the season actually start? Season's going to start September 1st. That is and the first day. Yep. Okay. And kind of regardless if that's a weekend or not, it's always September 1st. Okay, and it goes... Uh, through the middle of October, so okay. generally that does end on a Sunday. Um, it's typically like the second weekend. Okay, you know, so around the fifteenth, sixteenth. Do you just do that first week of guiding, or do you? I do. That's it. I okay, take everybody, the first week. Um, there's benefits to kind of baiting through the season and trying to get a really big bear at the end of season. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I do is when I was. First starting, you know, Mm -hmm. I I would go and scout for an animal. Like any hunter or trapper would do, they would go scout and find where the animals are. Well, where I'm doing my guiding, there's just a plethora of food. You have berries, hazelnuts, acorns. I mean, dogwood berries, you know, it's just there's everything that they would eat this time of the year Mm -hmm. um, available, so there's a lot of bears. Um, But as those natural foods disappear, so do the bears. They migrate out of that area. And in recent years, with a lot of the new technology and stuff and collaring bears, they found that a lot of bears come to my area during season, and then they leave and go elsewhere for hibernation. Oh, so, okay. You know, and I, like I talked with the, uh, the biologist in, in Grand Rapids, and I said, how can there be so many bears during bear season? And then as the season goes on, they disappear, and then I can only find a handful of dens ever, you know, in my life. And... Uh, you know, they had, they had found that a lot of bears actually will go, like, out into a swamp, into the cattails. They'll find a high spot, and they'll just make a nest right there. They don't actually go into a den. So once they've determined that, you know, flying over, they get GPS, like, coordinates of the bear every four hours or so. It'll do a ping, and uh, they can see where they're at. So they found that a lot of bears actually aren't in dens, but they're kind of on a surface bed, per se. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Well, um so you do the one week, and then then you go hunting. Actually, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I try to you know coordinate some. A lot of um, big game hunts are September and October. Um, so um, this year, I'm actually going on a two week uh, archery elk hunt. Okay. Um, the last two weeks of September, um, I used to go to Utah, and that was and their archery season is fairly early, so it starts essentially this coming Friday and then goes for four weeks. Well. 
I'll be baiting for three weeks and my clients will hunt for a week and that'll take up that archery season. So I, I can't get away. Mm. I'm kind of committed to, okay. to doing the baiting and everything. So, um, you know, sometimes it's a, an antelope hunt or, or whatever, but I try to do something in September myself too. So, okay. Speaking of archery, do many people use archery for bear? Uh, actually, it's about a 50-50 with my clients. Okay. Um, I have some guys from Iowa that like using shotguns. Um, otherwise, it's it's pretty much 50-50 split. Um, I actually prefer the archery hunters over okay. the, the gun guys. Um, they're a little more dedicated to their shot placement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that leads to better retrieval results, definitely. So, okay. um, what do you think about crossbows? Um, so, with bear, um, of course, with the new law this year, being able to hunt deer and turkey with crossbow, that doesn't really affect the bear hunt because mm-hmm. you could use whatever weapon you wanted oh. in the past. Oh, okay. So, um, that doesn't really change things. Um, I have quite a few clients that were archery hunters in the past. And they've just gotten to that age now where they can't pull back a compound bow. And so, you know, they're going to do it with crossbow, and I'm cool with that. That's fine. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, I know there's some controversy about it. There, there is. And, yeah, I guess <laughs> <laughs> my, my view on the deer hunt and, the, the, you know, the archery turkey hunt um, is a little different. I'm not really in favor of it myself. But, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so deer hunting is coming, and um, about how, how – do you, do you know the numbers? How many people in Minnesota bear hunt? Do you have? Um, yeah, so there's actually, um, it's just over between twenty and 24,000 applicants. And oh. since COVID, the numbers have gone up for the number of applicants in Minnesota. Um, you know, the border was closed, so guys looked at something stateside to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, they give out right around 4,000 permits. And if you go back to like the early 2000s, it was, you know, 2,000 permits that they were giving out or whatever. So basically you would get a license every year or every other year, typically in most areas. Mm-hmm. But now it's uh, it actually takes my clients six years is what we plan. So some can dry in, in five years, but we plan six years out. So I'm booked through 2028 20, wow. right now. So um, and advertising, I have to tell people, you know, I don't have room because if I stick with 20 guys – and they hunt one year and a handful of them want to bring a kid with or their brother wants to hunt or a coworker or whatever, my numbers keep growing. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to have too many clients on the list. You know, I'd rather provide a good quality hunt than um, just, you know, throw a bunch of guys in the woods and collect their money at the end of the day. So, Okay. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, to bear hunting, you know, thinking about fishing, you know, there's that the, the catch and release mantra – you know, we want to catch fish in this range. We want to let the bigger ones go. Is there is there a rule like that for bear, for um, so, prime females or whatever? Well, right. So 2000, and that's a great question, actually. So since like 2001, collectively, we've harvested one wet sow that had cubs. And, you know, it helps with the trail cameras because you see what's kind of regular, you know, at, at a bait, what's coming in consistently. Um, I'll tell the hunter ahead of time, hey, there's a sow and cubs here, you know, if if a bear comes in, give it some time, you know, get your nerves down too before you try to make the shot, but make sure it doesn't have any cubs with it. And uh, so we've really focused on that. Um, legally in Minnesota, you can shoot a sow that has cubs, but you can't legally shoot a cub. Mm. Okay. So I, I don't really know how that rule came to be, that law, but, um, you know, ideally, you know, if you shoot mom, they, they say that the cubs are going to survive. 
um, the you know the research shows that typically, especially if there's a couple of them, they'll stick together. They'll find enough food. They'll go to sleep together, den up essentially, and and generally make it through the winter. So, okay. but yeah, so I'm kind of kind of happy that we've only you know harvested that that one wet sow. Um, yeah. If it's a big dry sow, I don't have any problems with with the hunter taking that. So, okay. Um, so for people listening that are somewhat curious, thinking they might want to get into bear hunting. Give them a rundown of, you know, what do they need? What do they need to invest in? Well, you're going to have to have, you know, some property, um, you know, whether it's public or private. Um, you know, I'd, I'd pay attention to are there natural foods there for the bears? You know, because you can, from any given, you know, time period, you know, you could have 40 acres of woods and you could have a bear pass through there a couple times a summer. Yeah. You know, so you might see it on your, your camera or whatever, but um, where focus on where those bears live. Where are they going to be at majority of the year? Um, where are they going to be at in the end of August, beginning of September, um, where the natural foods are? You know, and berries and acorns, that's kind of, you know, the key thing to look for. Um, you know, and then start applying for a license. You know, it's going to take you several years in any of the areas in the state to uh, to actually get a license. Um generally five or six years is kind of the the norm now so mm -hmm. and each year um, applications become available in april you have to apply by the first may first friday in may um, and it's five dollars so if you knew that you couldn't hunt you can just buy the point itself because mm -hmm. each year you're unsuccessful in the draw and you acquire preference points and then when they allocate the license the following year they take those that have the highest preference points, and those names go in first, and those tags get issued, and then kind of down the line. So, you know, like I tell my hunters, it's going to be six years. And there is a chance that they could get drawn in five, but if they apply for the point at five, then we know for sure on their six year that they're going to get a license. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of one of those planning things. You know, you you got to look out five, six years if it's not something that you want to do. Start applying each spring and just get those preference points. And then if it looks like it can fit into your schedule in the fall, you know, take a week off, be kind of committed to it, and, uh, you know, do your baiting every other day or every every day if you can um, and just kind of get that bear comfortable. Um, they are wild animals, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I kind of – they don't have to eat what we're putting out there. Um, the biggest bears that I see every year on camera, we get a photo of them, you know, once or twice a season some of them that's yeah. it and and I, you know so i'm covering 40 bears you know 40 bait stations over like 170 square miles and it might be one of the baits in the center of my area where i see this big bear and i see him three or four times yeah but then he disappears and i never see him at any other baits like he, he they just don't have to do that you know they've gotten big avoiding humans and <laughs> not, not yeah. eating the free food but getting the stuff that, that nature has out there for them so Tim Humphrey, my guest from Aspen Outfitters. We've been talking primarily bear hunting, but we got another topic we're going to discuss as well coming up in our final segment next. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Be the traveler, be the adventurer, and be a trailblazer in Bemidji, Minnesota. Plan your visit to Bemidji today. Enjoy unique lodging, engaging hospitality, and outdoor adventures in a pristine, natural setting. Fish over 400 lakes or explore over 160 miles of bike trails. Then wind down with an award-winning pint from Bemidji Brewing. From hiking to canoeing to golf and live music, there's so much to explore. Plan your adventure at visitbemidji.com. Bemidji points this is Dick Beardsley, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. 
talking bear hunting with Tim Humphrey of Aspen Outfitters. And Tim, anything else on the on the bear hunting side? Hopefully, it cools off a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, yes. I don't like it being in the eighties. You know, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of the meat and finding the animal is you know utmost important. And uh, if we got those those high temps at night. That's really bad. So, so uh, do you actually eat bear meat? I do. Yep. And you yep. like it? Actually, yeah, most of most of the hunters do too. Um, I have a few that have had bad experiences. You know, a friend gave them some meat or whatever at one point, and you know they said they've had to throw out the slow cooker because it just smelled so bad afterwards. But I think the biggest problem with that is, um, you know, having as many clients as I do. Some of them have gone to Canada before, and some of those guides up there, they don't retrieve the bear till the next day. And so, really, what's good of the animal is just the hide then. You know, you got temps in the mid sixties. You know, you wouldn't go to the grocery store buy meat and leave it in your back seat over overnight and then expect it to be good the next day. It's just not going to this time of year. So, right. um, yeah. So they've had bad experiences, and we get it cooled down right away. I take a twenty pound bag and put it in the chest cavity of every bear once we get it field dressed, so it's cooling from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that ice contact really cools it down quickly. You could hang it in a, a walk-in cooler or something, and it doesn't cool as quick as having that ice right in the chest cavity. So um, we'll get them scun, quartered. Um, I have several chest freezers at my camp, and we'll get them in there. Um, They're not going to freeze solid overnight because of just, you know, the mass of meat that we put in there, but it definitely cools them down really quick. And the next day, if guys are reluctant, we'll cut some of it up and cook it right there. If they don't want it, they can gift it to other hunters. Um, Most of the time, guys are running to Walmart to get additional coolers so they can take the meat home with them. So, (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, in addition to bear, another thing you really like is burbot. In fact, that that'd be a good name for business: bears and burbots. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get how did you get into eel pout? So, eel pout, um, it was one of those things where you know my friends and I we'd be fishing for walleyes in the evening, walleye bite would shut off, and you you wouldn't want to pack up. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're talking ten degrees out or colder in the winter, so you're just basically like, all right, now do we really want to? load all this gear in the truck and everything and so you'd sit around and bs for a while and incidentally you'll pout um so it got to be one of those things especially once walleye season was over you know let's just go out and target these things and find out where they're at what structure they relate to what food works the best and that type of thing so um that's really grown um and i actually started guiding for those probably oh 2012 something like that so kind of the same thing and it it worked out really well because i would actually you know there is no limit on them so i would you know get several gallon bags of fillets during the course of a winter we kind of frown upon that now but conservation you know guys were throwing them on the ice and i definitely would pick them up and clean them um but i'd do a fish fry for my bear hunters Uh and they're like oh what is this and well it's eel po and they're like they you know i'd show them a picture and they're like oh good grief you know that's what we're eating that tastes great um, but they, you know, being six years between hunts, they'd look for another opportunity to get up north and, and experience, you know, the stuff that we have up here. So I started guiding for fishing, um, and eel poke particularly, sometimes perch or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I had a lot of my hunting clients would then make trips up here in February or March and we'd go fishing. So, yeah. 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 That is the, uh, the only fish that you can basically only fish during ice season. Right. Nobody nobody fishes it during the summertime. No, there's a few people that try and there's a few incidentals during the summer, but yeah. um yeah, we've, you know, 
the the Jason Rylander and Durham and I have you know we've talked about going out and actually targeting them, but we get too busy in the summer to actually just go out and kind of devote a, an evening to tooling around and, and looking for these things. So during the summer, anyhow. Um. So do you do you have some openings for that, or is that pretty booked up too for you? Uh, that actually, there's a couple couple of the key weekends fill up right away because okay. the big groups will book a weekend or whatever. Um, you know, but weeknights and stuff, February, March, um, there's generally some openings. So if people want to do that, how do they go about getting set up? Well, so they could actually, uh, you know, give me a call, um, or, or look me up on Facebook. If they look up Aspen Outfitters, you know, they can message me on there. That's generally the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, if you're considering that, you know, try to do it before the end of December, New yeah. Year's. You know, because then basically everybody, once they get their schedule for the next year, they say, you know, I've got these days available and, you know, things book up pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, it's fun. That's okay. <laughs> um, now, as far as the the, um, the bear hunting goes, I mean, should people start, if they want to, should they start booking for 2030? Or, or, well, or is it just going to be the same guys all the time? It, it's uh, There's a few new clients every year that squeeze in. Um, you know, they can get on the waiting list. Okay. Um, you know, so it's it's when I see something that opens up, um, there was actually a group of nine that I had from a trip down to Sioux Falls. We went down to a Whitetails Unlimited banquet, and I donated a hunt to them. Um, so then they did a, a silent auction on that, on that the one hunt, but then they could add additional hunters for regular price. And the guy ended up having nine, nine other guys that wanted to hunt with him. Wow. So that basically fills up, you know, half of my availability for one season. So um, one of those guys had forgotten to apply either last year or the year before. They were scheduled to hunt next year. But now they're going to have to get bumped to another year because they need to make sure the entire group's going to have enough preference. So um, there are openings, but, you know, it it is pretty difficult. And um, one thing that guys can do, so... In Minnesota, they, they made it so all the bear licenses have to be purchased. They set a deadline. If the hunter doesn't purchase their license, then it goes back for sale a couple days later in August. So, for example, this year it was August 1st was the deadline to buy your license, and then last Friday they went back on sale at noon. So hundreds of guys across the state, maybe even thousands, line up you know, to be the first in line at whatever license dealer that they can get to and swipe their driver's license right at noon, and you know, sometimes it's 30, 40 seconds you know, two, three hundred licenses are sold and the system quite often crashes because it can't handle that demand and different things. But um, each year, if I do have people that have health issues or change careers or whatever, they might request that they get bumped to the next year Mm -hmm. to accommodate that. Um, And then so I do end up with a couple openings, but they're always last minute. So it's not where they can apply in May and then get a license and say, oh, can I hunt with you? It, it's where they have to get one of those surplus licenses, essentially, is what they call it. So, um, okay. yeah. So this year I ended up acquiring three more hunters at surplus time. So there's a few that had health issues earlier, and they said we can't hunt. You know, so, yeah, okay. it worked out well. All right. Well, Tim Humphrey from Aspen Outfitters that uh, does bear and burbot trips, uh, telling me all about bear hunting and a little preview of Burbit Stevenson, which is quite a few months down the road. Yes. But yeah, baiting starts Friday, season opens on September 1st, and uh, I don't know, what are you hearing? Are the numbers looking good for bear in our area? Uh, population is really good. Um, 
the the one thing I guess you know we're kind of in a mild drought. Um, however, the 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 spring that we had was good for all the pollination of the berries and everything like that. So if you know there's going to be spotty areas where there's a lot of food, and then there's going to be areas that haven't had enough rain where there's not going to be very much. So um, bear population is good though, according to the DNR, it's good. Uh, a lot of guys are complaining that they're not giving out enough permits, mm-hmm. and they they've slowly want to do that. Um, I think it's good right now. I mean, it's you don't have a lot of guys in the woods. Um, success rate is very high for for hunters, even you know not going with a guide. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's you know it used to be about thirty percent, and it's it's about fifty percent success now. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Um, and the size has gotten bigger. Um, you know, maturity of the animal is is quite a bit better than it was twenty years ago. So um, yeah, it, it it looks good, and it, sh- it should be a good fall. All right, Tim Humphrey, Aspen Outfitters, once again, thanks for being here. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Bumper in country.